What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the show, I sat down with a top agent who made the transition from army to sales to real estate and is now on her way to selling 55 million in volume. Welcome to the show, Nicole Stanbro. Welcome to the show today, Nicole. How are you doing? All right. Welcome to the show today, Nicole. How are you doing? I'm great. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on, talk about the market, all the crazy, amazing things you're doing in luxury, specifically in luxury, waterfront in Florida, and some other crazy stuff as well. Before we jump into that, why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got into real estate, and what your team is up to this year. Sure. Um, so I got my license about six years ago while I was on maternity leave with, with my son because I had three months paid vacation, so you might as well do something. And my husband and I were just in the situation where we were buying selling homes every couple of years. So we were like, somebody needs to get their license so we don't have to hire a realtor anymore. So jumped in, got my license. We bought and sold a house for our own purposes, and I thought that that's all I would do. But then things kind of started happening organically. and started getting a couple deals here and there on the side while I was working a full-time job. And then I just made the leap um, three years ago to go full in um, real estate and just quit the day job and, and go for it. And How long were you doing then, both? Uh, about two years, okay. yeah. And it was like definitely a side hustle at first because the main source of income was from my you know, W-2 job and I wasn't quite ready to make what the leap. You, what kind of job was that? I was always in sales and business development. So I was working for a utility company. So you know, like you get the benefits and salary and consistency. So it's a little nerve wracking to make that leap. But the time How did came. you know when you were ready? Because I, I talked to a lot of real estate agents yeah. and like they're, Sometimes they're not ready, even when it's like so apparent they are. Like I've, I've recently mm-hmm. talked to an agent selling ten million. I want to say like ten million a year. Oh, like to 10 million as a, a side. As a side. Oh my god. And they work for, for a software, software company, company, making about the same there. Okay. Right, but they're spending thirty to forty hours on that. Yeah. And um, you know, afraid to make. I mean, damn, if you're at 10 million already, there's some agents who aren't even doing half of that. And that's like their full time source of income. Um, I think for I think the timing, it was just a timing thing. I knew I always. How much volume did you have when you left? Okay. Honestly, I left and I didn't even know what volume was like. I didn't know how to calculate GCI or volume or net income. I think I did maybe six deals my first year. Yeah. I think I made about $55,000. My base salary at my other job was 120. So I was like, how am I going to close that gap? Right. But then by the second year, I doubled my income. And really, every year since, I've either doubled or tripled my GCI. So I think it was just kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, jumping and committing. And I knew I wanted to have my own business at some point. And this kind of like the stars aligned. And I was like, all right, this is my opportunity to, to go make something that's my own. How, uh, what, what happened, happened after you quit the job? I know for me, I was in the same boat how I started. I, it was like six months for me. I have, uh, I had about, I did know how to calculate GCI early on. But I, had, I had about a hundred K of GCI in my like 90 day pipeline, which was about what I would make at the company yeah, a year. Right. 
So I quit, and then as soon as I did that, I did this like I had this feeling of like liberation and freedom, and like my income skyrocketed yeah. even more. Yeah. Yeah. Quitting give you more time, energy, resources to accelerate the growth even more? No, I think what it was, because my, my W2 job, I had a lot of flexibility right. with time. So it wasn't like I was working in an office. I think what it was, was after that first year, I jumped right into a coaching program and I just learned the, I'm such a huge advocate for mentors and coaches and trainers and learning from people who are in the business like you and Carrie. So I jumped into a coaching program right away and got like the basic tools. And my, you know, we talk about superpowers all the time. Like my superpower is that I implement immediately. So all those things that I learned, that first conference I implemented and I saw it worked. And I'm like, oh shit, like I can actually grow a business doing these things. And I saw results very quickly from implementing so fast. So I think like my second year in real estate, was 120,000 GCI. So I did, you know, double my year before and I matched what I was making in my salary job. So at that point it was just a sense of okay, I got this and I can I see the light at the end of the tunnel where I can grow it even more. Right. Yeah. How long did it take till you made your first hire and started building out the team? Yeah. Okay. So I my first hire was probably when I went full time. I was about two and a half years in, and that was just getting an assistant, um, anybody to take anything off my plate because I was learning so much. All these systems. So I was like, how do I? I don't have time to build out spreadsheets and charts and organize this stuff. So who can I hire that? can kind of just input data and help me set up some programs. So I hired an assistant and then quickly after that, I generated so many leads where I'm like, I need more agents. So then that's how I started building out. So I'd say by year three, I started actually growing a team and trying to hire and, and you know, have members on the team. Let's, let's talk about lead flow, like how, where you got your deals from when you were starting out mm -hmm. versus you know, how you're doing it now and, and you know, the new markets you're breaking. Yep. So, all right. So 2016 was when I got it. And I think I took the leap and I, um, ad I spent $500 a month on Zillow and I was like, Oh my God, this is so much money. Like, cause I had never put that much money in advertising on anything before. So it was really scary for me. And I remember at the time, 500 bucks in the zip in Jupiter got you like a significant, share it of the market it wasn't like 200 a lead back then. no it was it was fair it was reasonable so like i started getting phone my phone's ringing i got like my first listing my first month advertising with zillow and i was like should i refer it to someone because it's 30 minutes out of my territory and my broker's like no you take the listing and you try to convert you build your business that way so um it started just with zillow and that's where i was still kind of part-time but the, it just went so quickly because we converted buyers from our listings and listings from our buyers. So organically with the help of kind of that initial bump from Zillow, it just kind of got me building out a pipeline from there. And that was probably for the first year and a half, the only thing I really advertised in was Zillow because I didn't know what else to really advertise in. Then I started doing Facebook ads, um, maybe some Google pay-per-click some like direct mail, but very basic. I didn't have strong call to actions because I just didn't know how to actually do marketing. Right. Um, and then I eventually learned all of that. But so yeah, in the very beginning, it was maybe fi 500 bucks a month. And then now, 
you're trying concentrated effort, right? If, uh, if, if the Real yeah. Producers magazine is correct, you're trying to move into new construction, yes. luxury. How is, how, yeah. is, how is that going? And, and how, how have you made that, that jump to try to push the price point? Yeah, so like average price point my first few years were those, I'd say $400,000 buyer. And those were like the bread and butter because they sold quick, they sold easy. Mm -hmm. And most of, the, most of the buyers are in that little pocket between four and 500,000. And then I think, um, you know, you just kind of have to leverage one opportunity. Like I, I sent out a direct mail letter. I got my first $1.5 million listing. And that was maybe year four. How many homes are you mailing out? I, not enough, not a, not a big, I was going after expireds. Okay. So I was going after old, two-year-old expired listings. And I would maybe mail out 10 or 20 a week. Sure. So it was like, I wasn't even putting enough volume out there, but I got a call, got this listing, and I'm like, all right, I have an amazing opportunity to go from my average price point, which is 400, to one and a half in a luxury gated community. So then I was like, all right, how do I get some buyers out of this? And I would have showings and I just learned how to convert the buyers. And if this is not the right house, let me find you something else. So that kind of started me into that different price point. And then inevitably, I also connected with a developer local to the area who's a family owned business, great construction company, engineering firm, and just kind of their opportunities of acquiring land for them um, was rewarded with having the opportunity to list their properties. And it's kind of just been a rinse and repeat since then. And that's put me into like the three to $4 million price point. Um, but again, it goes back to like, you have a listing and sure you want to sell it, but how I have 20 other buyers calling on it. How do you leverage those right. people to create business? And so from a lot of those so luxury listings, yes, talk to other sellers. Exactly. And so you had sellers who see what I'm doing to promote and advertise my luxury listing. So I'm tapping into that, but then the buyers who were calling through, you know, sign calls or online inquiries, they're looking at the luxury price point. So I've been able to convert several buyers, to purchase not my listing, but other listings in the area. Are there things you have to do differently for your luxury buyer, luxury seller in terms of marketing, just dealing with the client that maybe is different than, you know, the median price or, or are they really just the same as anyone else? Just some people maybe are intimidated. <laughs> I, okay. I think that Every agent probably handles things differently. For me, I provide the same kind of marketing package and material and effort as I do on my $100,000 little condo as a $4 million listing. But I probably have a lot more video and a lot more coverage because when I'm doing like, for example, the development or new construction properties, I'm videoing um, phases of the project. So I'm creating a lot more content to kind of you know, show off my developer and then market what we're doing for the community because we're we're really transitioning a lot of neighborhoods, especially the new construction. Like we're buying tear down homes that look terrible and we're re we're beautifying the entire neighborhood. We're putting new roads in, we're putting new landscaping and we've painted other homes on the street just to make the neighborhood look nicer. Oh, wow. to get it. Yeah, like that's baller status yeah. for this developer. Um, but then also I think luxury, one thing that is important, yes, I think luxury clients ex have high expectations. 
they want to they want top dollar they want to be taken care of so i think there's probably a little bit different level of service that's expected um, but then also a lot of the luxury in my neighborhood is waterfront so you have to be super knowledgeable on the waterfront so understanding the different waterways the inlets um, high tide low tide what bridge uh, what kind of boats can accommodate different canals and stuff so i think when you get to that that waterfront uh niche you really need to be knowledgeable there's more yeah more things you yeah. have to know yeah, yeah. you yeah. gotta know types of boats and i'm <laughs> like i'm not i don't really know i've they learned about boats i'm not <laughs> so i'm not like really a boater but i'm like all right i know I know basic, I know if there's a T-top, so I know what boats can navigate different water systems, but I've learned that just through having the waterfront property um, listings. How do you think the Army helped prepare you for what you do now? I think everyone has different takeaways of their time and service, and I think for me, it's just like no is not an option, yeah. and just figure it out and come up with a solution, and if there's an obstacle, there's gotta be a way to overcome it, so no matter how, difficult a client might be or how terrible a property may be you gotta kind of make lemons out of lemon or lem lemonade is out of lemon and figure out a way forward so just kind of pushing on and i think it also has a lot to do with the work ethic like you just you gotta bring your a game does that background help you attract and work more with veterans is that is that a big part of your business <laughs> So early on, for sure, one of my you know main niches was my veteran and first responder, all my heroes um, right. clients, and I created Operation Home Team, which was a way that we gave back and paid it forward to those clients, and that definitely helped me build out my business initially. And I think that's still something that I have a strong brand awareness with, um, and I think it's important too because I've purchased, especially when you go to like purchasing home with VA loans. I purchased several homes using my VA loan, so I understand the financing process. And I think that's so important in this market right now because most agents do not understand financing in general. Right. They certainly don't understand VA financing. And if they have a listing that I'm trying to submit a VA offer on, it's like I have to educate them and their seller as right. to why they should accept. Yeah, so so having so It's actually agent, typically yeah. easier to get approved. For the, sure. The debt to income ratio limits, I think, are at least 55, but I've seen them pushed into the 60s, and on yeah. Fannie oh, yeah. Freddie, it's like 43. So yep. that part of it's definitely easier. So there are some advantages, and like you said, a lot of them don't know. They don't even know. And then, you know, even with appraisals, which was such an issue the last couple of years, like we have Tidewater, which is just another way to verify and try to push through the appraisal situation if it comes in short. So there's just so many ways that I think veterans who are looking to purchase, it is helpful for them to find someone who's knowledgeable specifically with VA financing. I, I think you're going to start to see that part of the business increase mm -hmm. a little bit because mm -hmm. I think um, with interest rates up, the VA loans typically better than yeah. the conventional and that's more of a factor now and I think with inventory going up more sellers are going to be yep. like great <laughs> we, we got an offer I don't, I don't care if it's VA that's right? exactly it um, yeah like we we just had two seven-figure VA loan offers amazing uh, in DC you know come in like in the last week so I think you know I, I think that's one area that agents yep. probably should focus on that you covered the other is the expired and withdrawn the probably people should get good at that again because there's, yeah. there's some sellers that are uh, probably still used to the peak 
yep. prices and they're gonna sit and yep. then uh, you know we all know the saying you want to be the firstborn son second wife third realtor <laughs> <That's so true. laughs> well it's true too because I mean this market was so hot for sellers that I would take a 60-day listing like that because right. I knew I'd sell it in the first weekend so all these people who are doing you very take that now I have a listing now that's been on for 30 days and I'm like panicking. I mean, it's overpriced, which is just resetting expectations. But yeah, it's like the market overnight shifted and we're just getting back to the normal market where homes sit for 30, 60, maybe a little bit more longer in a healthy market. And then agent, agent skill is going to come yes. into play more. Right? Yes. The pricing yeah. strategy is so important. Submitting an offer that best you know represents the buyers is going to be more important. You can't just like... I mean, there was a point where I feel like the sellers can just make a reverse offer and be like, this is my number, yeah. you know, just sign here and we'll take it. There's the number in terms. Yeah. If you don't like it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty much. So I think watching withdrawns, canceled, expireds um, on the MLS and, sh and like, cause I used to have like that set for maybe 180 day, you know, days on market. Now I'm closing it in maybe like a 60 day on market and I'm watching those um, and then engaging with that. And then the FISBOs. I mean, those were always like the bread and butter just five years ago, and right. then we got away from that because there there weren't any. So now I think they're going to come. The FISBOs expires, withdrawn, yep. VA, all good things to add. You know, you're adding the luxuries. Is there anything differently you're doing with the team now, or that you think you might be doing in the next six to twelve months? Um, so we're at the stage where it's always like the chicken or the egg, like. I have enough agents, but not enough leads, or I have enough leads, but not enough agents. So now I'm at the point where I have all my lead gen programs like firing on all, on all cylinders. I need more agents. So it's kind of just the constant, you know, regrouping, uh, building out slowly. And I think now with, with help from you and Carrie and Hyperfast, I've been able to really um, dial in like the avatar of who I'm trying to hire for my team. And right. I think that took time for me to really understand like my brand, my culture and what I want to extend as part of my team and making sure they're a right fit for that. Cause I was at this point where I had so many leads and not enough agents and I was hiring out of desperation, bringing on people who were not the right fit for me or, or the culture. And so now I'm like a lot slower to hire. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just making more progress getting the right people at this point. What um, what do you think is the biggest challenge right now for agents, or in particular, mm -hmm. like the agents on your team? Like yeah. What, what are they? What's their biggest challenge that you're trying to help? Yeah. Them? Okay. So hands down, I think, especially the newer agents who just got their license two years ago, like the COVID agents, right. they they have okay. no concept of what a real real estate market is like. They have literally buyers could just fall in your lap all day every day the last two years and you just had no listings there were like you could have 12 buyers saying hey i want to make an offer on a property and you just can't get an offer submitted right or or you could but now like the buyers kind of take took a couple steps back yeah. so now it's like getting back to how you make phone calls how you prospect how you convert on the phone how you actually price listings properly and kind of just going back to the basics so we've done a lot of training on like basic foundations of how to be a real estate agent in a market where it's shifting and transitioning a little bit more back towards buyers and you really have to sharpen those skills because 
it was it just moved so quickly the last two years so my agents who have a listing that's sitting for more than a month they're panicking they're like what do you mean i'm like well this is actually how a normal market is they don't sell all the time on the first weekend or if a buyer is a little skittish about putting an offer in because the market is shifting it's like how do i communicate that to the buyer they're not desperate anymore they're not just making offers with no contingencies over a hundred thousand dollars anymore because they don't have to right. so it's kind of just training them back up on what a normal market is and then you know sharpening those skills a little bit more Back to the basics for everyone. Back to basics, yeah. What, um, you know, as a, a female, online advertising. Um, oh, Lord. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know where it's going. What, what kind of challenges uh, yeah. in itself does that, does that bring you? <laughs> I know. You know, it's, it's unique, I think, for women um, because, I mean, as real estate agents, we are public figures, right? Like, at least the ones who have a social profile and are actively engaged on you know digital marketing so pictures are everywhere videos are everywhere and that's our way to engage with the public and you know create content and and be realtors so there's like this fine line and balance on what you what kind of content you put out there and i think you just have to constantly look at it as a professional and sure you're putting you know some personal stuff out there but your kids and your family maybe you're at the beach but then you're also having content out there where you're, you know, professional working, right? So I, I just always caution people to look at it in that way and, and try, to, try to keep yourself professional at all times because no matter what, even if you think it's on a private page or you're not sharing it to public, people still see things. Right. Once it's on there, everyone's seeing it. Um, and then, yeah, I think you have to be very careful with inbound calls. So in the last couple of years, I've definitely had my fair share of calls as my team has of, yeah, I'm looking for a $20 million listing and it's a Zillow lead or a realtor.com lead. And it's like, great, that sounds wonderful. And as an agent, don't you want to work with a $20 million luxury buyer? Well, great. I'd love to work with you. Let me take all your contact information. Do you have proof of funds? You know, where do you live now currently? I'd love to schedule a showing for you. Why don't we meet at my office first? Um, and then we can go take a look at the property. So, and there's reasons we do that, right? Like proof of funds, show me the money. Right. Show me that you actually have the proceeds to purchase a $20 million home. Where do you live now? Oh, when I type in your address, it shows a mobile home. <laughs> so that's weird, right? Google Earth shows a lot. Move up buyer, right? <laughs> Moving up big time. Oh, I've literally had buyers lead say that they just came into a large sum of money, like they won money on lotto, or they've gotten money through, you know, a trust fund type of thing. So there's all stories, but so show me the money, kind of verifying that they are who they are. We're always doing Google searches um, to make sure we can find them. If we can't find them online, if they don't exist online, they probably are not a real person because right. nowadays. They're at least on Google or LinkedIn or Facebook well, or something. Is, um, not so much for clients, but you could. But we, I have like a very cheap monthly membership to Truthfinder. Truthfinder, yeah. And um, yeah, that's just, a good one too. Yeah, you know, when we're hiring contractors or anyone that we might do partnership with, like, yeah, you look through there and it, you know, you can tell criminal records for sure, judgments, liens, yeah, all, all all the kind of stuff you might want to know before you. All those things. Yeah. And then it, like when you actually book the appointment, because sometimes, you know, if it's a hot lead, you might just meet them right at the property. 
Um, but for us, with those types of clients, we definitely need them off-site in a public area like our office where we have other people there um, to kind of watch out and stuff. And yeah, it's just at the end of the day, yeah, people make um, send weird pictures, send weird videos. Um, I have multiple phone numbers on my phone, so that's another way where I really try to keep business separate from my personal. How do you do that? Well, I have two Google Voice oh, numbers. Gotcha, Google I have my sideline, okay. yep. like I have an app that I pay, my personal number. So I have, and then I have all forwarding numbers, right? So I try not to give out my personal personal number, um, but yeah, like pictures, inappropriate uh, things being sent. What was the weird? You got like a weird one a while ago that like. You, I know. you actually called the person out, I think, on TikTok or Instagram. Yes. Or maybe. So what went, what was good about that was, like, I'm not the only one this happens to. Most yeah. most females who put themselves out there in the social eye get these kind of calls. So, um, yeah, we got, he was calling one of my agents late night. And his excuse was that he was, like, West Coast. Um, so he was calling at, like, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock at, at night and just strange conversations. And she'd be like, great, is your wife gonna be part of the decision-making? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And so she would try to connect with him. And then, um, so it started getting weird with just the late night phone calls. And then just one day he started sending like really inappropriate um, video messages of him in the shower. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was terrible, it was terrible. So yeah, we, we get those types of messages all the time. I like how um, you, you kind of call them out on it. Yeah. Kind of on, on, uh, so we did a quick little reel and so, exposed it. So that's on your TikTok that's or Instagram? On, or that's or on my Instagram reel and TikTok. Okay, and what's, um, what is that so if people wanna? Yeah, so TikTok is Stanbra, and then Instagram is stanbra.hometeam. Um, so it's definitely on there. I was trying to get that thing to go viral, but I say the good thing was is I got so much engagement with a lot of local female realtors, and yeah. they've all experienced it, right? So now what we have with some of the other agents in my market is we kind of have like a do not fly list, where if we get someone really super creepy like that, we'll share it in like a group message uh, with people. So all of our teams know like, hey, if you get a call from this guy or this number, he's a creep show, like DND him, you know, do not do not reply to him. So that's what we've been just doing to look out for each other. Well, it's unfortunate that that kind of stuff is out there. Um, but you know, guys don't even know that. Yeah. Like guy real like. I guess I, no one's ever done that. No to one me. sent you any like naked pictures, yeah. right? Not that I so, know. But it happens. Like the guy realtors in our market were like, I can't believe this shit happens to you. Like they had no idea. I'm like, it's it's a regular basis. So keep that in mind too, you know, like for guys, if you see weird behavior happening, like, you know, to look out for each other, especially in this profession where we're often showing properties or doing open homes by themselves. So yeah, no, important to, yeah. to put safety ahead of like, oh my gosh, this $10 million. Yeah. Let me go run down in, to Miami right? and meet him by myself. Not a good idea. Well, before we wrap up here, I always like to do a hyper fast round if you're ready for some rapid fire Q&A. Yes. Biggest piece of advice to new agents? Um, get a mentor. Hire a coach, hire training, learn and just absorb, be a sponge and then implement immediately. Biggest mistakes that experienced agents make? Uh, complacency and once and just not being consistent and not having systems in place. Um, so like relying on that paycheck and then not continuing the marketing between deal to deal. Cause I think it just, you gotta like restart up um, every time. So just having things very consistent. What's something you're doing in your business now that you weren't doing a year ago? Um, 
I'd say creating the different roles on my team, like the partner agent position, having like building out the teams in an organized way um, so that I have good people filling out the different pillars that I'm trying to create in the business. Biggest challenge you've ever had in the business and how do you overcome it? Biggest challenge? Um, I just say it was probably early on just having the confidence to the confidence in myself to kind of just to go for it. Um, and I think that has a lot to do just with having the experience of getting in front of multiple, multiple people. And I think that just comes with time and volume and just repetition, rinse and repeat, just getting a more up at bats, you know, like having a being able to close more deals and, and seal more listings. You just got to have more up at bats and it's OK if you don't get that initial listing, but at least you learn from some of your mistakes and then you can implement better better things the next time. What's your sales volume goal for this year? My goal is 55 million. I was at 40 million last year, so I bumped it up a little bit. I think I'll probably get around 50 million this year. All right, last one. Where do you see yourself five years from now? Okay. I, I want to just buy, I want to look like you and Carrie. I want to buy lots of both residential and commercial property. I'd love to have um, my team really more on autopilot where I can just really tr try to focus more on training and um, building the team and continuing leveraging um, leads for them. But I'd love to really step out entirely from production and then just work more on more some development type projects where I can buy some commercial properties and retail spaces and do some subletting. So I want to tap a little bit more into the commercial side. You feel differently once you do some of them. I might, <laughs> but you guys make it look so easy. So I'm figuring um, if you can do it. <laughs> well, it's been amazing having yeah. you on. If people want to connect with you, learn more yes. about your team, what, what what areas do you cover by the okay. way? Okay, so know? I'm in Northern Palm Beach County, but my team covers pretty much down to Broward and up to Port St. Lucie. Okay. Um, but our, our kind of niche is definitely the Jupiter Palm Beach Gardens to Cuesta area. Um, my website, www.stamberhometeam.com, and you can find me on Stamber Home Team on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok. All right, well, thank you for yes. being on the show. Thank you for having me. listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in. Please share this episode with other people, and we will see you next time. See you later.